Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of How to Make a Life. Uh, now, today's edition is on climbing and we're talking to two climbers who've been climbing since before they've learned their multiplication tables. All right. Now, before we dive in, I want to give a shout out to Equilibrium Climbing Station in Bangalore for helping make this episode happen. They've been one of the epicenters of climbing ever since they opened up. And if you're looking to get some climbing done, head on over to their gym in Indranagar. Now, uh, we're going to be talking to two sport climbers today, two national level uh, medalists who are on track to represent India at the Olympics. Um, hi, Bharat Pereira and Lokesh Rajan. Welcome to the show. Hey, Parag. Thanks for having us. Hi, Parag. Thanks for having us. All right. Uh, so what does it take for someone to reach the competitive levels that you guys have ta- been on, right? And how many years have you guys been, uh, does it usually take for someone to get to that level? Well, it depends. Uh, for me, I started really early. I've been climbing for 16 years and I started when I was five and my first uh, competition, I'd say was when I was six. Uh, but I wasn't, I wasn't very good, obviously. I mean, I, there was no category for me. Uh, to compete and I would just compete in the under 13 uh, which is actually from 10 to 13 uh, even though I was six and I I would perform pretty well uh, but for someone to uh, you know uh, start competing uh, I would say it depends on how much how hard they work and how how much time they put into it how dedicated they are and it takes a lot of effort to get to a level. And if you're ready to put in the effort, then I think, I mean, you can reach it based on how hard you work. Okay. And how many hours do you think you guys spend on the wall every week on average or even every day, right? I think we spend uh, easily about uh, 25 to 40 hours. Yeah, it depends. Depends on the week. Okay. And what are some of the things that help you grow as climbers when you're not climbing? What are the other things that you need to take care of? Uh, so for me, um, I'm trying to make like develop a lifestyle where I can uh, sort of like, generate a source of income so that I can continue climbing in the long run. Um, that I think is an important step for me. But apart from that, yeah, I'd say uh, for most climbers, uh, their whole life revolves around climbing. So they plan their whole work trips based on climbing. They schedule their whole, like everything, like climbing becomes the main thing in their life. Like however, uh, you know, like whether they climb really hard routes or whether they climb really easy routes, it still, you know, becomes a really important thing to them. And they take in a lot of time and effort to schedule everything around them uh, based on climbing. Mm. Got it. Got it. All right. Now, um, can you break down for the listeners, what are the different kinds of climbing? Uh, what does it all mean? And how did you guys end up picking your specialty? Uh, so we have lead, speed, uh, and bouldering. Those, uh, those are the main three in calm climbing. Uh, there's also traditional climbing. There's also you, like, where you go out on rock, on real rock. And uh, so I break down the competition climbing. So lead is where... You, the person that climbs the highest wins, you get one attempt. Uh, bouldering, you have multiple boulders, and the person that completes the most number of boulders and the least number of attempts wins. Uh, and speed is the person that, you know, climbs the fastest wins. Uh, I, I have been doing all three my entire life. Uh, I think a lot of people in India have been doing all three in like their entire lives. Uh, but recently, people have started to specialize a little more. 
um i would say i perform better at speed internationally and uh, so i think i've been focusing on that a little more lately uh, but otherwise i think I in india i perform well like equally well in all three and what about you lokesh uh, so i specialize in bowling for the longest time but then recently i've been trying to become an all-rounder uh, and I, like i want to shed some more light on uh, the different types of climbing so how i like to explain it is that there's indoor climbing and there's outdoor climbing indoor climbing is where the competition comes in and that's what baba just explained uh, outdoor climbing uh, you have um, your sport climbing which is when you scale it's kind of similar to lead where you scale a rock surface and you try to top out at the end then you have um, a track climbing which is where you don't use you don't uh, drill gear into the wall beforehand you take gear with you and you try to fix it in and then you make your way up uh, and then you have free solo which is where you don't use any equipment you just try to get to the top without any equipment and uh, is there missing multi pitch where there's like a it's a huge surface so you just take turns and you try to get to the top with uh, there like there's something what we call a station so you take breaks at these stations and then you eventually make your way to the top right yeah you know i want to talk about free soloing right are there a lot of people free soloing in india and i mean have we gotten to that point where people are confident enough to do that so i i know one climber who free solos uh, and he free soloed quite a hard route like there um, his name is saurav uh, sudhir and he was called baji sudhir baji <laughs> so he free soloed recently in badami and uh, it it was a pretty hard route like so they call it uh, master biscuit it's it's most scary it's not very hard if it comes in come in terms of grades but free soloing anything is really hard and this route it's like it's uh, kind of it kind of looks like a cliff and i you lean like insane mental for you to climb that and he just he did it that's that's oh crazy. and we also have uh, jyoti raj have you heard of jyoti raj yes. yeah, no okay he's uh, it's also called koti raj yeah okay uh He has been free soloing the Chittadurga Fort for quite a while, and he, uh, like a lot of tourists, come to see him. And there's been, he's done uh, joke falls. Uh, he's free soloed joke falls, and wow, yeah, he's he's quite amazing. And his nephew has been uh, a national medalist, which is actually quite impressive. Crazy. So a lot of people are picking up the sport um, in larger numbers. Yeah. Right. Yeah, in the recent years, a lot of people have been picking up climbing. So, uh, can you tell us what makes climbing such an exciting sport to be in right now? Right, uh, what makes it so addictive for pretty much everyone who tries it? Everyone who's tried it has been hooked. And what specifically got you guys hooked? Uh, right now, I think uh, like fitness. The way people perceive fitness is changing. Like, I think. maybe 20 30 years ago it used to be you know the, like the bulkiest is the the more bulky you are the fitter you are but now i think it's it's transitioning into you know like strength and you, know, you don't have to look move like yeah movement movement based uh, fitness and climbing is one of the best uh, for that so people are looking to get fit and not that kind of fit but like the new kind of fit uh, so that's i think that's why climbing is picking up really well and also i think the culture in bangalore has always been uh, i think bangalore has been a forerunner in fitness culture so i think like, a lot of people have been uh, you know looking for different ways to become fit in bangalore and i think uh, climbing is one of them 
I'd like to add another element. I think uh, problem solving is a huge thing in climbing. So every route that you try to uh, climb, it's like a puzzle and you kind of have to solve it. And uh, we make something called a beta, which is where before we climb a route, we try to figure out a solution to get to the top. And uh, that is it, like, it's a lot of fun. So I think that's a huge thing. So uh, is, is, is that like normal practice before you climb, you sort of figure out where, uh, how you're going to do it, how you're going to position your body, uh, where you're going to add weight, stuff like that? Or is it something uh, that you just go ahead and, you know, feel your way up? So we call it visualization. We break it down into a couple of processes. Uh, first, we look at the route and we memorize the route. We try to remember where the holes are and what the holes are, whether it's a pinch hold or it's a jug hold. These are like different holes and based on comfort levels. Uh, then we uh, decide the path that we're going to take, if we're going to skip any holes or not. Then we figure out the beta, or which is where we basically figure out what kind of moves we're going to do on the wall. And then we uh, practice that in our head. And then we go. Got it. Got it. All right. Now, uh, I want to ask you guys, right? Uh, what's the deal with grades? Uh, there's V10, 5.12C. I've seen all these numbers around, right? So what are these different scales? Uh, can you break it down for me what all of this means? And how do you measure them as a climber? Or how do you know what what uh, route is what grade? Okay, so we have um, uh, we have different grades for sport climbing and for bouldering. Uh, and different countries kind of follow different scales. And I think in India, a lot of people follow the French grading system. So that's where the 7, 7D, 7A, 8A, those things come under French. Uh, and uh, in bouldering in India, I think we still follow French only. We follow French and B system. We also follow the B system. Uh, I think most people in the world follow the V system because uh, you know that's how like that's the American. It's, is right. it the American system? V system. I don't think so. Okay, but like that's that's the main system that they follow in America, and that's right. why a lot of people uh, follow that. What I think. Right. For both. Uh, yeah. And, and that's fair, right? Because a lot of bouldering and climbing originated from America, Yosemite is where it all started happening. So it makes sense that people end up following. So there's this way, this is, uh, so how I learned it was that when you start climbing, you're basically uh, walking. If, you're, if you can walk, you can climb. That's how they started. And that's supposed to be a four. And then as the slope increases, your the grade increases. So it becomes four and then five eventually. Five is when the straight wall happened. And after that, they started getting into a decimal system because it just started like, it was a straight surface, but then it started getting really hard. So then they started the decimal system. And then from there, they started adding alphabets and it went on. Eventually when the other countries picked up, I think they started off with the A, B, C and plus in between. So how the grades work is that we, um, any climber who comes beforehand, he, um, he or she will basically, they'll project a route. And once they manage to finish the route, they will give a subjective grade of what they feel it is. And another person who comes to climb that problem will then uh, either they will agree with the grade or they will disagree and they will give up. Eventually, everybody will land on a consensus for the route. Right. So, so it all matters uh, on the people who have actually tried it and then they sort of feel it out and measure what kind of grade this is. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say just tried it. I'd say people that finished it. Ah, got it. Okay. People that finished so it's it. Important. That's important. You have to finish your route to climb. Got it. Now, uh, Climbing is a really fun activity, right? And it should be all the rage, but very few uh, people from the general public even know about the existence of an Indian climbing team, right? Uh, why do you think sport climbing isn't mainstream in India even after 25 years of existence? What's missing? And what do you think needs to happen to draw more attention to it? 
Okay, I'd say the easiest thing uh, to popularize climbing would be for one of the Indian, uh, one of our Indian boys or girls to get a an Olympic medal. I think that'll uh, that's the easiest way, you know, to popularize the sport. The fastest way. The fastest way, not the easiest way. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the hardest way. Uh, but yeah, that's the fastest way uh, to get a lot of Indians uh, to know about climbing. Uh, but it's really hard to get an Olympic medal because you need a lot of uh, dedication and you need like a lot, a huge, you know, a big support system for the Indian team to reach uh, the Olympics and then get a medal. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. What I think where we're lacking is that um, there's a lot of, so in India, we're still growing in the sport, I'd say. And that in other countries, are like there's like a culture set up. So I don't know about infrastructure. So there are, we do have, we're starting to get good infrastructure. But uh, I think that other, other com- like other uh, countries, they just have a lot of knowledge and they have a lot of, uh, uh, they have like a culture. And like, if, so in Japan, they have like so many gyms that even an average climber climbs higher, I feel, than in, in other countries usually. And um, it's, I think a culture plays a really important role in that. Like when you, if your person just gets into climbing and then he just, he, um, that's where the people come in and then everybody just motivates you and then you get stronger and then you you have like a if you want to get to a, a certain goal then you just know how to get there as opposed to somebody over here if they need to get to a certain grade if you, if you want to get to a certain if you want to finish a really hard problem they kind of don't really know where to start or how to go about it and I think they lose a lot of time in trial and error and that is like that's lacking do you think but do you think that whole trial and error part uh is a necessity in the beginning. Uh, do you think countries like Japan got there because people did the trial and error part and they left it behind years ago and now they're a little more able to sort of just uh, take a go at it? Is, is it something that just, just takes time to develop? Hmm. Trial and error, yeah, that might definitely takes time. And India, like sport climbing in India has been prevalent for quite a while, uh, like since probably the late 1800s. Sorry, my early 1800s, uh, 1980s, <laughs> uh, 1980s. So it's been there for a long while. And especially in Bangalore, you know, they've been climbing totally forest for a while. But I don't think we've improved as fast as other countries. And I don't really know why that is. Uh, because I do see a lot of people that are really dedicated. And uh, but something or the other just happens. Like it's hard for me to you know, pinpoint just one thing for... Why we haven't uh, reached that level. Fair enough. Now, uh, I want to talk about uh, the beginnings you both had, right? Now, uh, you guys started climbing at Kantirwa Stadium, if I'm not uh, mistaken, right? Yeah, and that's right. You, you guys had a, a little community and then it's grown exponentially since then. Uh, can you talk about the uh, support systems that helped you grow as a climber, as climbers? Uh, who are the key people... Uh, that helped you grow? What kind of roles did they play? And what are the factors that contributed to the opportunities that you got and, you know, which made you able to compete nationally and internationally today? Um, Since the community was pretty small, most people that climbed used to compete. Like, even if uh, they weren't, uh, you know, looking for a medal, they'd compete for fun. And, uh, I think competition was always fun for me uh, because I'd get to go and meet people and uh, it would happen once a year. I'd get to meet all my friends that I 
you know, met the previous year and see how much they've grown. Uh, but to reach that stage, I think uh, Bangalore, starting in Bangalore, I, we probably had a pretty good advantage compared to you know other cities because uh, Bangalore is already known for being pretty strong. Uh, Bangalore is probably the hub in South India for climbing, and uh, you know uh, Bangalore has been winning. Not Bangalore, South Zone has been winning the trophy for quite a while. Uh, probably I think 13, 14 years, and. Uh, so starting in Bangalore, we probably had an advantage and we were surrounded by strong climbers. And as kids, both of us used to climb with the adults yeah. uh, because we, there weren't many people our age and, uh, you know, it wasn't fun just climbing together. And we would always look for a challenge. We would always try to compete with uh, the people older than us. And I think that is how we got significantly better by climbing with uh, people much taller than us and like much stronger than us. We would just try and just keep trying. And eventually, you know, we would do routes that they weren't able to do. Yeah. Got it. All right. Uh, and uh, uh, apart from that, right, like, so when to nurture your whole uh, climbing career, so to speak, right, uh, what kind of, do you have, did you have coaches growing up or is it just something that you figured out on the way? Uh, did you have trainers? What does that scene like? Um... For most of it, I, I'll go first. For most of it, I uh, think I trained myself. Uh, and both of us would, you know, find ways to, we would just climb together and learn from whatever we did. And a lot of trial and error. Uh, but at the national level, there were coaches. Uh, and so the, I started, when I started climbing, I, my first coach was uh, Money. Uh, Money Gundam. He is a paraclimbing champion, the world champion in paraclimbing. Wow. Uh, yeah, so he, so he used to train me uh, when I was small for a few years. Uh, he used to train me under uh, my uncle, Keithi Pais. So Keithi Pais used to coach the national team back when I started climbing. I think that's how I started uh, climbing. And probably till the age of 11, uh, I was under his uh, guidance. He would always tell me what to do, how to do it. Uh, but after that, I think I've been on my own and both of us have been, you know, training together. Yeah, so I think when I started, I um, I initially started with a group called Master Ventures. And then from there, I've had, just had so many mentors. I don't think I can name one single person. I've taken, uh, like, I've, I even traveled uh, across the country when I was like, when I was 16. And I basically learned from several people. And I got like a whole new perspective on how I should go about training. Uh, and after that, and there were a few key figures here and there. Like there was this person called uh, Dylan Chandramuli. Uh, I climbed with him uh, during a time where I was kind of plateauing. And I was I didn't understand why I'm not able to get stronger. And climbing with him gave me like a good, uh, like I was able to figure out where I need to work and what I need to work on. And then from there, I chose a different path for my training. Uh, I think where, uh, who helped me get to a very strong level was Keith Pais. Uh, I trained under him for a long time and uh, my national medals were under him. So that, um, and even the way he, I think Kikis was one of the best, uh, uh, like the way his training format was really good. And both of us uh, benefited a lot from that. And, uh, but like, there's just so many climbers who have imparted so many things to us. Yeah, every session we climb with someone, we always learn something. There's always something to learn from a different right. climber. Got it. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, now and I want to talk about the uh, sort of professional side of uh, being an athlete, right? 
sponsorships. It's a very integral part of any pro athlete's career. How does that work in the world of sport climbing? How easy or difficult are they to come by in India? And uh, what's the best way for a climber to sort of get sponsored if if that happens in India? Uh, I know a couple of sponsored athletes, uh, and um, um, the I think in India right now the market is very small for any big corporates to offer sponsorships for. There was a time where a few companies did try, uh, and but then I think I don't think they felt there was much value. So as of now, I don't really see any good sponsorships, something that you can sustain yourself with in the sport. I don't see that happening in India anytime soon, unless. If a climber has an audience, as in if you as an individual, if you have a huge audience that you can that you uh, cater to, then you will be able to make some deals. But if you don't have the audience, you don't have the uh, following that you need for a big corporate, then I don't think you can sustain yourself using that in using the influencer format. So I I do other things. Right, and and uh, what kind of uh where does the sponsorship money go as in so what does an athlete need this money for i'm guessing it's all uh, there's a bunch of travel involved there's some gear involved uh can you break that down for me so if you're a sport climber then you'll have to buy a lot of equipment you'll need from the rope to the gear like to you'll need quick draws to put it into the bolt if you're if you're a track climber you have to spend way more money on that uh and um, you'll need if you're a boulder you just need crash pads uh which which is why i think uh, bouldering a lot of places have developed recently because it's a lot more uh, cost efficient that way like if you see for sport climbing it's just there like whatever hot spots are already there they're being developed further like badami or uh or which place um hampi is badami and there are uh, there's another place in maharashtra i forgot the name yeah and there are places uh, yeah, does it start with a k i think i came across that uh not sure i forgot the name all right uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah and like on the outskirts of uh, not outskirts of delhi but a little further out no uh, it's just god yeah that's the, that's the name oh it's okay yeah anyway so a lot of uh, the small hotspots here and there which are being developed further but like i, I think bouldering there are a lot of places in like if you if you ask me for bouldering i can name like a lot of places because uh, i think it's it's easier to uh it's more cost efficient in bouldering it's easier to promote crash pads. bouldering because yeah. of how easy it is to boulder like how cost effective it is yeah and for a climber i think a lot of equipment like a lot of cost do go to equipment if not that if you are a competitive athlete uh then you will be spending a lot of money in, in training for gym fees or just you know just having a athlete lifestyle the amount of money that goes into being healthy it's just and the continuing training every day is really hard uh apart from that yeah so uh it depends uh whether you're right. a sport climber or a, a competition climber or a rock climber because even uh you know the needs of uh, those two are different a lot of cl- uh, comp climbers don't really climb that much on rock so they don't need so much rock gear uh and some of them might not need any equipment they might just need shoes because they train at the climbing gym but they do need you know uh food like money for food and uh other stuff to sustain themselves in a healthy way and shoes shoes just like you have to get so many shoes if you are a competitive athlete then you'll have to eventually you'll end up specializing or you will need different shoes for different events and shoes just if you climb on rock shoes just wear out like very quickly every season you might have to just end up getting a new pair 
So like every time I get a shoe, I get like a small tiny cut when I go outdoors, and then when I come back indoors and I climb in the same shoes, that cut just like becomes huge, big, and then I have to get a new pair. Uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm glad you brought up the difference between rock and sport climbing, right? Competitive climbing. Uh, so how what kind of companies sponsor uh, rock climbers? Because uh, like you mentioned, most of the competitions happen in sport climbing and all these other forms, right? So how what does a company get out of uh, sponsoring a rock climber? Are there competitions in rock climbing? Is it more of, uh, let's say, people who, uh, let's say, for example, Alex Honnold on his free solo of El Cap, right? Uh, is that the kind of uh, climber that uh, companies want to work with? How, do, how does that work? Mm, I mean, uh, so there are uh, climbers in India who don't compete. They used to compete. Uh, now, you know, they're more focused on rock. Uh, like Vantun Sarkakar, he uh, he was sponsored by Red Bull. And even though he just uh, climbed rock, which is really good. And he's a really good climber. Uh, but I don't know how... I mean, it's pretty hard to get a sponsor already. And then uh, most people, most of the corporates don't know anything about rock at all. And they think... You know, I'd rather sponsor a uh, competition climber because you know, they look at medals or they look at, you know, Olympics and stuff like that. Uh, so, and there's not much publicity for rock. So I, I think it's too small in India to, uh, you know, talk about how to get it because I, there's not that many examples. Got and it. as for the type of companies, uh, at least in an international, on, on the international scale, we have companies like, like he said, Red Bull, there's Adidas and there. Uh, like Adidas conducts its own competition for rock climbing. It's called Adidas Rockstars. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, like other shoe com- like other climbing companies, which or like Last Godiva, they make climbing shoes and they they sponsor a lot of athletes. That's Tenaya. Uh, and um, I think a lot of even these um, monks, the energy drinks companies, um, and a lot of also ones. Yeah, shoes, gear. Uh, Mostly stuff that, you know, is related to climbing, but a lot of uh, stuff in India, uh, it's hard to get uh, you know, sponsors in India because uh, one, we're not at the same level as, you know, climbers outside. So uh, it's tough to get international sponsors or uh, so we do have to look for Indian ones, but like Indian companies aren't, uh, you know, big enough and... Uh, <laughs> it's like a vicious cycle. Yeah. To get, right. to get a sponsor, you need an audience. To get an audience, we need like support from a sponsor. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's a tough situation to be in. Uh, you know, uh, I want to talk about full-time climbing, right? Is it possible to climb full-time in India today? Because I've heard stories about people who, uh, you know, for a living, like they just travel the whole country, climbing and bouldering all over the place and all over the world. Uh, are, there, are there a lot of people doing that in India? And uh, what do you need to sort of, uh, and what do these people do for sustenance at that point basically okay i'll go first um when i was 16 i went to humpy and uh, there was this uh, person that i was very fortunate to meet his name is paul Lockie, and um, everybody calls him Bill. and he is one of the founders like he basically developed a huge section of humpy uh and for about 20 years he kept visiting india and how he used to find himself was he used to juggle and he used to juggle in places like singapore he used to earn a lot there and then he used to come here and spend because in Hampi, since it was a village, he didn't have to spend too much, and he could do that for like an extended period. And he just used to climb a lot, 
when i met him and that's when i really realized okay this like this is an op- option i didn't even think of it until i met him uh, and the other person i mentioned dilan he he is a writer for outdoor journal and uh, he also has other he also um, he also works with other bouldering gyms uh, so he works for a few months and then he goes outdoors for the rest of the month like for the rest of the year and that's how he sustains himself so there are a few options this is uh, one of the things that i've seen so what i do is also similar i work for a few months and then i go outdoors for the rest or i compete in the season like depending on the season uh, that's the only time i can see full time but if it's if you're talking about a full time athlete who sponsored that there are a few for now but i don't think um, i don't think it's sustainable yeah in the long run because it's right. it's a very small term got it got it and and you know i think what i'm seeing is uh, with remote work being all the rage right now with the pandemic and everything uh, i feel like people who want to uh, climb a lot but still want to hold on to their careers are going to be able to do that now and hopefully maybe that'll uh help bring in more people into uh climbing full time or at least for extended periods throughout the year yeah yeah hopefully um okay now we've talked a lot about uh competition climbing right now for someone who wants to climb purely for fun right what are their options uh where can they go to learn what kind of gear do they need to get started and if their city doesn't have any facilities what's the next best option okay so if um, if you want so again you have to before you decide to uh, climb you have to figure out if you want to climb indoors or outdoors first and it's not that you have to do one or the other you can do both but it's like it depends on where you want to start off if you choose to start indoors and you can always go to any climbing gym either you can do top rope climbing or you can do uh, bouldering uh, if you want to go outdoors then you can just directly reach out to people who conduct expeditions or not expeditions sorry uh, people who just take you outdoors like there in bangalore at least i can give you a few examples we have uh, there are gyms like equilibrium uh, there are a lot of gyms in bangalore and depending on where you stay you will always find a gym that's close by if you want to go outdoors there are people who uh, conduct like weekend trips to the rocks and you can go on boulder there you can experience what it is there's a place like so avati outdoors they take you to avati and uh, you can just climb and they take beginners specifically so there are like a lot of initiatives that have been started to promote climbing so i think you just need to decide what you want to do and then you can reach out and if if you're in a city where you don't have access i'm sure you can just find is just look uh, like just find some climber and ask them just dm them i'm sure they'll help you out. in every case most climbers want more people to come into the sport so they're very supportive if you just text some climber i'm sure he'll figure it out and he just or she will just tell you where to go and you can take it from there right and how does one find a climber like you can go on instagram or you can just go on any social media platform just find some rank and uh, i mean right now i think it's very easy if you just look for uh, you know if you just look for a climber online i'm sure you'll find somebody okay got it and uh, so hampi is kind of like the mecca for climbing in india or at least in south india and it hosts i think a climbing festival every year and i want i want to understand what kind of climbers attend these festivals is it only for season climbers or is it the kind of place a beginner or an asp- aspiring climber can go and literally learn the ropes i mean a festival is for everyone yeah you find people who haven't even climbed before but they just you know they just come for the festival they don't really climb or there are people that have been climbing for maybe 25 years that come and climb so you have a huge variety of climbers and uh hampi is great because it has so much variety of boulders and you find grades the like easy grades hard grades you have everything 
so it's not just uh, seasoned climbers that come; it's not just beginners. It's it's a huge variety. All right, and uh, so uh, Bharat, I want to talk about your experience at the Youth Olympics, right? Uh, how is this different from the comp- competitions you've seen until then? How intense is the competition, and how much of a game changer is it for climbing as a sport now that? uh it's been taken into the olympics and uh how how much do you think you're going to have to up your game uh when the olympics come around in 2024 in paris um i haven't competed internationally since i was 8 um but i've never come i've only competed at the asian level uh never on like the world stage and uh luckily i got qualified i got uh qualified at one of the asian youth events for the youth olympics and uh, it was it was i trained hard i trained really hard for that and uh my it was uh the way that it works now uh for the olympics and for the youth, how it works for the youth, how it worked for the youth olympics is uh that you have to take part in lead speed and bouldering and they take your combined event and I think that's how I got selected because you know I've been doing all three since I was small and while you know people in other countries have already started to specialize so I probably had an advantage there uh but uh my strategy didn't work out you know at the youth olympics I focused mainly on speed because I thought I'd be able to get uh, maybe a first or second position in speed uh but speed is a risky game and uh, you know there's a high chance of failure uh because if your foot is even like a centimeter off uh then you're probably you know 3 seconds down and yeah so my strategy uh probably wasn't the best i worked too much on speed uh but it was a really good experience i got to see not just climbing got to see you know lots of other sports and i got to see how uh not just climbers from other countries but like athletes from all over the world you know how they train i got to interact with a lot of people i got to understand their work ethic how they train how they eat how they sleep how uh, they sustain themselves and it was it was, it was a lot to learn it was a lot to take in uh, and i think uh, now that climbing is part of the olympics uh, not just in india but all over the world you know it's it's great for the sport because uh, uh, some people look at the sport as you know uh, part of like the hippie culture and you know uh, stuff like that but now it's it's become a little more professional um right. i think that's good for the sport all right and and you know uh, that now you mentioned training right i want to hear from both of you what your training regimen is like what are you guys doing like in the week or the days before a competition what is your routine go like uh it's not just uh, a week before the competition uh, sure, I, that's when it gets really intense right Oh, I think it's the opposite yeah, for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we start to taper by the if when the comps are coming close, you want to like reduce the number of sessions so that you recover for the competition. So what we do is okay. okay. Yeah, and we were known uh, since we were small. The closer we get to a competition, I don't know. We would just have more fun. I don't know why. Uh, it would just happen. We would just have more fun. We would. Uh, we get a lot of lectures that we don't take it seriously. And <laughs> yeah, I think that's what helps. It Does that help calm our nerves? And uh, we used we used to take videos of us, you know, playing around, wrestling, not even climbing. And uh, after the climbing session, yeah, after the climbing session, we would just have so much fun. 
close to competition. I think it would also be because we were excited for the competition and you know we would we would be so excited we can't just climb it out. We need some other activity. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, it's not just the week before. It's uh, we have to train throughout the year, you know, to maintain and to improve. And I'll tell you how my week looks. Uh, so I get up in the morning around eight, and I have a morning session of like strength and conditioning from say nine thirty to sometimes it goes up to one. Uh, and then I go back home, and I'm supposed to be attending classes, online classes, but <laughs> I just sleep. <laughs> Uh, and then he recovers. Yeah, I re- I recover. Okay. That's a better way to put it. <laughs> so and then I head back to equilibrium in the evening. Uh, it depends on my session. Sometimes I just have a light uh, session that would take twenty minutes, and uh, I would just do some you know fun climbing with uh, the rest of them after the light session. Or sometimes I would have maybe a two-hour long hardcore session. Uh, but yeah, I rest maybe two times a week, and uh, yeah, training from eight to one and four to maybe nine sometimes in the evening. Right. For me, uh, are, oh. sorry. No, no, you are eating in between all of this, right? Because I cannot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably <laughs> I carry a box of dry fruits in the evening, or uh, sometimes I go for basketball or volleyball or frisbee, uh, because you know climbing just climbing is a little too monotonous and that's good to uh, play other sports is what i feel but it is draining right and and what about you lokesh what does your training regimen looks like look like so for me i break it down into components depending on what i work on i schedule like a lot of sessions so right now i'm working on finger strength and i'm trying to uh, work on my skill so if how my day looks like is uh, in the morning i get up and i do finger training and uh, so just about an hour, but then the warm up for it kind of takes longer, like the warm up and cool down. Um, so at about an hour in the morning for finger training, and then in the evening I would climb, or um, we would do like easier workouts, like he mentioned for twenty minutes. We do something called uh, um, aerobic capacity, where we just do one minute on, one minute off, or depending on what we are working on. So it could be anywhere between twenty minutes to two hours. Sometimes I do really hard sessions where I like climb with Baba, and we just like go really hard at it. We hurl problems at each other. And um, the other days we just do really light climbing. Uh, sometimes we, um, we we do a lot of strength and conditioning, of course. And that also is like about the same two hours. So in a day it would be about two easily like one to four hours minimum. And uh, we do that about five days a week. Yeah. And uh, for climbing, it's important to. I mean, the best way to climb, uh, improve with climbing is to climb. Uh, you know, so we do work out, but we do try to climb as much as possible. Even if it's you know, really easy stuff, you know, we try to you know, hit in a lot of routes and, you know, get a lot of climbing done. Uh, yeah. I think a good uh, guideline yeah. that, that is there in training is that 75% of your climbing workout should be for climbing, like just pure climbing, some form of on-the-wall training. Right, right. Okay. Uh, now, you know, uh, I, I want to talk about uh, hashtag Loki writes the uh, podium series. We have a writer in our midst. So uh, I, I read Passing on the Torch and the little girl from seven years ago. These mm-hmm. stories clearly have a very special place in your heart, right? Uh, so who needs to see them and why? Because these stories are definitely powerful. And who is this for? Uh, I'm still figuring it out. So these are just, these are... Um... Okay, they are very meaningful to me. I um, I think I look at, this is where I kind of 
um, look at things very differently. I have, whenever I was growing up, I would always notice a few things here and there that um, I feel not other people would pay attention to so much. And I like I feel that these are the kind of movements that would you know make or break an athlete. And it, it's huge. It's very impactful. And when you're looking at an athlete, you just see you just see the front that that's so powerful. They're like, oh, this person's just so good. But then you don't see what they've been through. And a way, I, I guess, what I'm trying to portray in these stories is how they're also human. And um, so with that podium series, what I had in mind is uh, I wanted to depict all the people that helped her get there and how in every, like, there were people who um, were helped. You know, so the first one was about this um, um, a person who helped her way back, the seven years ago, the girl from seven years ago. Uh, he... So this is something that I remember. I don't even know if it's uh, it's a little exaggerated, um, but this person helped her come. Like he helped her give her, he gave gave her an opportunity to uh, come to a very high level uh, camp, and that happened after he saw her perform. And I saw him smile, and that's and from there I took the story forward. Um, and I thought I thought that that would show it shows a side where she it showed her side where she was uh, still. Um, um, Growing up, maturing, mm-hmm. developing. I guess it's not the word, I'm for, but yeah, I'll go with that. Mm. Hmm. I lost my thought. Sorry. No, it shows a story about how uh, this person was still developing, and then someone uh, happened to see them, and then and so is this a story that you see repeated quite often? Do you see this a lot? I see this in different different formats. So that's one of the things. So I want to basically shed light on different uh, parts of an athlete, how they get to where they are, rather than just you know observing them in where. If you just see them normally, you think that they're just talented athletes who haven't really. It's it's easy to say that oh they're just talented, but you don't know the kind of efforts they have put in to make it look like they're just talented. Uh, so that that was the prime. That was the main thing I wanted to pass on with those stories. Uh, there's something else I want to say, and I just just let my. That's cool, yeah. man. We'll come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, in India, I think we're about we're at about 25 plus years of sport climbing, right? Um, with all the developments that are happening right now, what do you think the next 25 years are going to look like? What do they? What do you hope they look like? Are we going to see more climbing Olympians? And what can what part can government bodies and private foundations and organizations do to help accelerate this growth. Uh, what I would hope is that climbing in India grows exponentially. Uh, that by having all gyms in India, like I, I mentioned, Japan, how they have, like even South Korea, they have so many gyms. You go and every uh, down the corner, you'll find gym. You'll find a uh, climbing gym. So I hope that there are a lot more. At least the concentration of boarding gyms increases a lot. There are a lot more areas that are developed. There are okay. So I'll give you another example. When I went to Hampi, there were grades. Right, and uh, there, there were routes that were really easy, which were graded high, and then there were routes that were really hard that were downgraded a lot more. So it, it's it's hard to get like a good reference. So we and uh, grades aren't like grades are good reference points just for you to understand where you stand and progress from there. But it gets really hard. So I feel if um, if like a lot of strong climbers are there, then the consensus is easier. It's easier to get uh, a benchmark route per se. So uh, hopefully, if climbing grows then we get like a lot more gyms and uh, just a more supportive uh, setting for an athlete or for any athlete, like not just indoor and outdoor. Right. And, and what do you think uh, the government 
needs to do or can do to sort of help push things along uh i mean so for the the indian mountaineering foundation is the one that uh, looks after climbing and they have been doing their best uh you know for uh since the beginning they've been you know uh, training the teams and all that but uh i think you know that there needs to be more gyms uh and i think the there needs to be more climbing there needs to be more people that climb so if you have a huge pool uh, to pick from i think you'd find uh, a higher chance of getting talented athletes rather than a really small community so i think once a lot of people climb you just you know you just it's easier to find better climbers because there's a huge audience right and what uh, the government can do i think uh so uh, the gym i train at and continuous stadium uh, they train the i think B- bfc comes there sometimes uh, the indian women's basketball team comes there uh, and there are a lot of other indian athletes that uh, come to that gym and i see the the effort put into other sports and i don't see that in climbing uh, i mean i know you know our federation doesn't get that much support from the government uh, and it is you know they they are doing their best but from you know from an athlete's perspective it doesn't seem uh, like it's enough for us uh, so we do need you know better coaching and uh, the whole support system like nutrition uh, strength and conditioning uh, everything we need you know better everything at these national camps uh, for the highest level but for the lower level i think yeah we just need a lot of climbers and the more climbers uh, there are then you know better climbers will pop up eventually and i think this ties down to uh, ties back to what you said in the beginning about uh, you know the first medalist to uh, win a first olympian to win a medal in from india that's going to just make things blow up yeah 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 it's happening back into oh yeah oh yeah okay and do you think we are do you think we are uh, very far from it do you think we are close to it to get to that point yeah yeah or any matter uh, just as of now it seems unrealistic but uh, uh, i mean it's not impossible yeah that's not going to stop us it's hard it's really hard but it's not impossible right uh, and, and and how yeah. does uh, and how do indian competitive climbers in general stack up against the international counterparts So most of the time Indians don't really qualify to the next round. So there's a qualification round and then a semi-final round and then the finals. Most times I don't think any Indian has qualified uh, yeah, on the world on level, the world scale. I don't think any Indian has qualified. Speed they have done better. So in speed they have like four rounds. There's a knockout round and those first is a qualification round, then there are top 16 and there's top 8. I think Indians have gone up to top 16 uh, in speed. Top 8 or something. Uh, I'm not sure on the world level, but uh, on the Asian level, I think I think we have a good chance. Uh, it's not that the Asians are bad; I think the Asians are really good. Uh, Japan, Korea, China, these countries are really good. But uh, yeah, I think Indians do have a chance if we get the right uh, training and you know, like the right if we train well. If we train well, I think anything is possible. We work hard. Got it. Got it. All right now uh before we close out I want to ask you guys the quintessential career question all right where where do you see yourself in 5 years what are you what are Bharat and Lokesh doing in 5 years where do you hope to uh be climbing or training or competing uh I don't know about 5 years but 
Five years ago, uh, we planned uh, to open a gym, to open a climbing gym together. Yeah. Like maybe twenty years from then, so fifteen years from now. Uh, I'd say after we finish our journeys as an athlete, yeah, so, then we would yeah. sit down to open a proper gym. Uh, so that I think that's still my goal. Uh, I do want to, you know, open a climbing gym and uh, just set climbing routes, like you know, uh, put uh, holds together. And I really love route setting. So I probably you know open my own climbing gym just to play around with the holds and yeah. climb. So I do see myself uh, maybe 15 years from now. I see myself climbing still, uh, but not professionally. You know, going outdoor more and working on my potential climbing gym. I think 10 years from now, I see myself. Uh, I want to basically build a team, a sports team. Uh, there are a couple of uh, organizations that I've seen for uh, athletes. They basically have a proper sports team from nutritionists to psychologists to gender conditioning professional, professionals. And uh, I want something like that for climbers to specialize in for climbing. So I want to lead a team like that. And I want, uh, I want to basically help make sure that we can get to a stage where uh, it's no more uh, you know, a hope or a dream to somehow make it to the Olympics. To me, that's right. way more realistic to look at. Right, right. All right. And, uh, you know, and that ties in with uh, our boarding gym. If you have your own gym, you can just like call athletes and be like, come climb with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Create like a center of climbing. Yeah. All right. That's crazy, man. Bharat, Lokesh, thank you so much for taking the time out to do this. Uh, I'm really pumped for uh, climbing. I'm really pumped for you guys and to hopefully see you guys at the 2024 Olympics. Uh, all the best with everything. All the best for your uh, climbing careers. Thanks and good luck. Thank you so much for that. Questions are really cool. Yeah, questions were good. I don't think we did justice, but <laughs> no, you guys did. You guys did. Thanks for unpacking the whole scenario for us. Thank All right, man. Thanks so much for having us.